This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. This is a podcast where I interview professional runners and everyday runners. And today I am talking with professional runner, Josette Norris. She is sponsored by Reebok and she's about to compete in the 5,000 meters at the Olympic trials. Josette has been having a breakthrough spring season. She got her Olympic trials qualifier back in February when she ran a 1519 5,000 meters. And then she had her first professional win in the 1500 at the Drake Relays. And then recently at the Sound Running Meet back in May, she ran a 1451 for the 5,000 meters and took second place in that race. Lastly, she competed in a 1500 just a couple weeks ago where she ran a 406 and she is fit and ready to go. She's got her mental game ready to go as well for this race at the trials. And I am so excited to see what she does. Josette is going to share her story about getting to where she is now and what the transition from high school runner to collegiate runner to professional runner looked like. And it definitely encouraged me to stick to what I'm passionate about and keep working hard and getting after what I love to do. And I think that you'll all take that from this conversation as well. Before we get started talking with Josette, I want to thank Picky Bars for supporting this episode of the podcast. Real food for big performances. I actually just ordered the multi-variety pack myself and had them shipped to Florida where we were staying because we needed some easy beach snacks. And guess what? All of my kids like picky bars. I feel so good that they are getting a balanced snack in their diet. And I'm also getting a balanced snack in my own diet that fuels me for working hard, being active, and feeling good. Beyond the picky bars, their energy bars, they also have performance granola, performance oatmeal, performance pancakes, and do not sleep on the drizzle. It is an almond butter topping that is the most delicious almond butter topping I've ever tasted in my life. It is so good. You get free shipping for orders over $50 and you can even build your own Picky Club box. If you'd like to support this podcast and support Picky Bars while also getting really delicious, nutritious food, Picky Bars is offering show listeners 20% off at pickybars.com slash another, and that's good for orders over $25 and an additional 20% off your first box of a new Picky Club membership. Links to all of that will be in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. If you head over there, make sure you sign up for our newsletter as well, because then the show notes will just be delivered to your inbox and you can get codes and links to books we talk about and anything else in the episode delivered straight to your email inbox. That's lindsayhine.com for that. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Josette Norris. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Josette Norris on the show. Welcome to the show, Josette. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. 
You're like the name everybody's talking about. I'm so excited to have you on the show and also so close to the trials. This is awesome. How are you feeling? Yeah, it's crazy. I'm really excited. Just before this, actually, the trials tickets just got released. So um, me and my fiance, Robbie, were scrambling to get all our tickets for the prelim and the final, but we got it and I'm feeling good and calm. The family and friends will all be there. So we're set. And I just had my last big workout um, this morning as well. And it's just crazy that we're so close. Um, I'll be racing next Friday in the prelim and I'm just really excited for the opportunity. I can't wait. Oh, so exciting. What what does the ticket situation look like? How many do you get? So they actually expanded it to six. um, And you can buy tickets um, if you race in the first four days. So you can buy a ticket for all of those four days. And then if you race in the next four days, you can buy tickets for all those four days. So originally it was four and it got moved to six. So um, looks like everyone everyone can get covered in a way because so many people have so many tickets now, even just like my teammates and um, friends who are competing as well. So I think we'll, everyone will get a ticket if they can be there and want to be there. So, Okay. And what was that last workout you did? Today I did, it was um, two by 600, a thousand, and then just four, three, two. Okay. And that was it. It was a short and sweet workout. Um, but just getting the legs moving and just sharpening up. And now I'll have a little tune-up workout on Monday. And then it's just resting until the prelim on Friday. And so the prelim to the finals, you have a week in between? I'll race the first round of the 5K on the 18th. And then we have two rest days and then the finals on the 21st on Monday. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking the final was the 27th. Normally the 5K is like at the end of the um, – Olympic trials, but this year they put it on the first day to match the Olympic schedule. So I think that's why the situation is so crazy with girls not being able to do the 1500 5k double. So that was the biggest twist of the new schedule. So the 5k is now on the first day compared to usually it being towards the end of the meet. So how do you feel like that shifts the field then with people not being able to do both? It's definitely changed the field significantly. Um, As far as I know, the the rumor is that um, Ellie and Shelby will be in the 1500 and um, both of them would be top contenders in the 5k. So the team in, in for a lot of eyes went from two spots being potentially secured to two spots being open. Um, So I think that definitely shifts the game in just who you're going to be racing against, but across the board, Both events are so stacked. Um, The women's distance scene is unbelievable right now. So the 5K is definitely going to be an extremely hard team to make, but it definitely increases my chances um, if those girls are still in the 1500. Yeah. So tell me what it feels like to be all of a sudden, and it probably doesn't feel as much all of a sudden for you because you know the work you've been putting in this last year, but like all of a sudden for everybody to be saying Josette Norris is on everybody's radar now, how does that make you feel? It's, um, it's been a little bit overwhelming, but also really rewarding in a way to even see. Um, it's, I remember I was shocked just even reading, I was um, reading the Fast Woman Per newsletter and it was like, Josette Norris has been my dark horse the whole season. And um, I would be surprised if she didn't make the Olympic team. And that was the first time I've seen anything in writing that was like, Josette Norris, contender for the Olympic team. And just reading it, I was like, 
wow, like it's really cool to see all these people seeing the work that I've been putting in and watching my races and watching my progress. And I've just been so honed in on just like my season and training that when I really take a step back and consider what the potential is, it's really, it's really exciting and rewarding for me, but it's definitely been a shift in perspective even in the last year so much. I would say last year, my goal was if I can make the Olympic trials final, that would be amazing. Like, let's see if I can make the final at the trials and then see what I can do in four more years at uh, next time. And now it's like, I want to be on that team and I need to be finishing top three. So my expectation for myself and um, those around me has definitely been elevated, but it's just um, made me more grateful and excited for the opportunity. I just feel like every race I've been going into, I've been so excited to test myself. And I think that's a really fun mindset to have going into these races. I've just been really enjoying um, competing against the best girls in the country and seeing what I can do and seeing what I'm made out of. So I just feel like I keep learning a little bit more about myself, even when I step on the line in these races every month and every week. Yeah. I mean, how you explain that, it seems like the trajectory of a professional's running career, you would feel like that. You would think, okay, I want to get to the finals. I'm like, that's my big goal, this first go around. But having that extra year, you know, with the with the trials and the Olympics being pushed back, it's really interesting how it has affected different athletes. And someone like you, you know, your first year pro and kind of getting your footing with your with Coach Fox and figuring that out, it's almost like this extra year is a huge blessing for you. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I can't believe how much I've grown in this extra year. And I'm so grateful that I've had this extra time. I really needed it personally. And I know it's been different and hard for everyone navigating this last year. And I think for me, it was just so beneficial because last year, I was just trying to adjust in my first year as a professional, the training and intensity was a lot harder than I was used to in college and just being in a new place, new environment, new coach, new teammates, other professional runners that I'm now running with. And it took a really long time for to get my feet under me, my legs under me, and even just regaining my confidence again, because now I'm, I'm not being compared against the college girls, I'm being compared mm-hmm. against the other professional runners. And being a new professional, that can be hard when there's women that have been doing this for five plus years. So that extra time, was instrumental for just my confidence and my strength. And I've seriously have been able, it's been amazing that I've been able to just nail coach Fox's workouts every single one since this fast fall. I haven't had one hiccup since like October when we met back up as a team and each month has really just been building and building. And um, I'm really grateful that I'm in that position because I know it's, this last year has been really hard for a lot of people. And for some, it took the opposite um, direction. So I'm just really grateful for this opportunity. And I want to take full advantage of being in this position right now, because who knows what like the next few years are going to look like. And just like, you can't control everything. And I just want to take control of what I can right now in this moment and really go after a big goal of mine. Uh, coach Fox sounds like he is a really awesome coach. He is the same coach that coaches like Marty Heher, right? Yes. We got our whole marathon crew. So, um, yeah, Marty, Colin and Paige are Mm -hmm. a little marathon crew right now, but, um, 
yeah, he, it's really cool that coach Fox is getting, um, he was the stud coach at Syracuse and everyone knew him for the national championships and everything. And at Syracuse, but it's really cool that he's um, getting so much attention right now from the marathon down to the track. Um, I think our group is really unique in that way that we have the top marathoners in the U.S. and we can run all the way down up to the 1500. So I think it's just a really unique uh, group of athletes on both the men's and women's side. And he, the way he trains us, he can prepare us for any type of situation. Like you go in knowing that you you have the strength and you have the speed to be able to finish and close fast in a race. And you can step on that line confident knowing that you're going to be in contention because you've covered all the bases that you need to cover as um, a distance runner. Yeah, you know, it's it, just from my um, talking with Marty and, and kind of paying attention to what you've said about your training, it kind of seems like he has this like, perfect storm of like when we need to be intense let's be intense but he doesn't overtrain you guys do you feel that yes definitely and that was one of my biggest concerns even just signing um I told him like I think I'm extremely undertrained with just the fact that I wasn't healthy in college a lot and I didn't have like that big of a foundation under me and I was just nervous about the, I, everyone was like, oh, Fox is very strength-based, strength-based. And I'm like, I'm a strength-based runner, but I'm also probably a little bit more behind than you might expect as um, going into the professional world. And he's been super cautious with me and listens to his athletes. And he's really big on, we hit the workouts hard, but the days between are really up to you and what you need to get your body ready. And that's how I like to train, just like hit the hard days hard when you need to and really just recover and get your body feeling good and he didn't increase my mileage significantly um as a professional and I told him like I want to I want to be able to do this for a really long time and I can see my potential doing this five years from now um and he's been really just a long-term coach and his approach has been very long term and the when he wants the intensity to be intense it's intense and um we're putting in great work but a lot of just even in the fall, it's a lot of um, like hilly tempo runs, progression long runs, fart licks. He always has sneaky fart licks in there that you don't think is like, yeah, I can handle that. That's not too bad. And then you go and look at your watch after and we're like, that was five miles of work at like 545 pace. And it's like, that was so sneaky because it was just 90, 60, 30 sets of. And so he has definitely a sneaky way of adding in this strength work and it's almost that first year pro, it was kind of hard to gauge of like, was that a good effort because we're on the hilly course or we're on grass and maybe it's more of like a cross country based strength build up in the fall. And so it was almost hard to know like, oh, was that, where am I right now? But then you step on the track and you do that first track workout and you nail it and it's like, wow, I'm, I'm in great shape right now. It's just, he hadn't put us on the track in months. So we just didn't know where we're at. And I might not do the workouts where you're just doing the repeat miles or the repeat Ks where you can kind of know exactly where you are, but then you add in one K in the rep and it's like, wow, I just, I ran faster than I thought I was going to in that rep. And it's like, if I had to do repeats, I know I'd be able to handle it. So his, um, his training philosophy, I'm still feel like I'm trying to learn it. I'm definitely a track nerd and just the sense of that. I love hearing people's training and just learning. And I hope one day that I can go into coaching myself. So I'm, I love trying to like 
figure out what Coach Fox is going to give me on the day because he'll he won't tell you till after you're warmed up or anything. Oh, really? Which, yeah, and I know some people love to like know their workouts beforehand, but in college I didn't I didn't know what I was doing with um, Julie till right before I warmed up, and Coach Fox is even after you warm up, you <laughs> still don't even know what you're doing. But um, so it is sometimes fun to guess, and sometimes you're completely wrong. But um, in knowing what he's going to pull out, but um, he's definitely been cautious with me and now even him he's learned me after just coaching me for a year and just seeing how I've progressed and um I think it's really great that he's gotten to know me better as just even in workouts and racing I just feel like I can get into a different zone than I can in practices versus that race atmosphere and um I think I keep surprising him a little bit in races which is cool to see um, even after that 5k out in LA, he said, he's like, I, ha- I don't get shocked many times as a coach. And he's like, you shocked me today. Um, and that was, uh, kind of cool to see. Cause he's been coaching for a really long time and I was able to shock coach Fox after my 5k. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been really fun and it's working really well right now. So, um, it's clicking at the right time and I trust that he's going to get me ready for the races that I need to be ready for. Oh my gosh. Okay. First of all, I think I would actually love not knowing the workout until I was warmed up because it's like, then you don't have to think about it or like dwell on it or anything. It's like, okay, let's just go do it now. Um, secondly, we're going to talk about that 5k 1451, like blew your PR out of the water, blew the Olympic standard out of the water. So, um, let's go back though, because one of the things I want to talk about is the fact that you did struggle a little bit in college and you had that breakout year, your fifth year. So, you know, when people follow an athlete's college career, I feel like they're like, okay, if someone's won all these NCAA titles and things like that, they're looking like, who's going to go pro and, and what team are they going to go with? So can you talk about what that was like, like having that breakthrough your fifth through and then really walking through like... I know I'm good enough to go pro, but maybe I'm not the one person all the teams are kind of vetting on. So talk to us about that process. Yeah, um, my college experience was definitely really unique. And just to give a little reference, um, in high school, I ran 441 in the 1600. And I was a state champion. I was multiple time All-American. And I was highly recruited as a high schooler um, based on my mile and two mile. And it took me till my fifth year in college to break my high school mile time. Wow. And that um, just like, I think that even just having that barrier of what I thought college was going to look like and the expectations going into college, it was really hard, um, like emotionally. And I struggled with a lot of like, little injuries that came up and some of them were just ankle sprains just that ended up happening right before the outdoor season. I didn't get to run my last two outdoor seasons at Georgetown. And so I transferred to Georgetown after two years at UNC and I didn't even get to compete in my first two spring seasons at Georgetown. So my only outdoor season at Georgetown ended up being my fifth year, which I had that breakout season in, went to my first NCAA championship and finished as an All-American and I think that's just a, it was a really unique situation and a rare situation where you see someone who hadn't really done much in those first four years in your college career and then to really step it up in that fifth year. And 
I was um, really just proud of myself of what I was able to accomplish in that fifth year. And that just, I can attribute to just healthy running and ha finally having a consistent base under me. I didn't have cross country eligibility in my fifth year. So I was able to kind of take a step back and just train throughout that fall. And I, I think that actually helped me too then in the postseason because I actually kept running that entire summer because I was chasing a pro contract because I wasn't one of those top recruited people. I wasn't an NCAA champion. So I kept running all the way till the USA, um, the championships, which was late June in 2019. And I was able to lower my personal bests um, enough to sign with Ray Flynn and then sign a contract with Reebok. And that's when I met Coach Fox at the USA championships. And it was just um, really rewarding to see that hard work that I put in that fifth year because I think I was really struggling with just feeling like I just never, I just didn't, I couldn't catch a break. Like something, when things would go well, something bad would set me back. And I actually got um, a really bad, not many people know this, but I got a really bad um, dog attack on a run. Like oh, wow. I got bitten by a dog and he, he threw me to the ground. Like I have the scars on my quad and everything. And that was um, why I had to actually take off my entire spring season because a month after that, it was in the shaft of my, um, femur wow. a month after that, I actually got a stress fracture in my femur and I've never had a bone injury in my entire life. And, um, I thought it was really strange that I experienced the bone injury in my femur, which is such a big bone. And my bone density has always been, I've been really like good about like making sure my bone density is good and really good about eating and fueling. And I was really surprised by that. And, um, every single doctor that examined it was like, I'm contributing this to the dog attack because I was compensating so much because my leg was so swollen and bruised for months. And, um, it ended up just like pulling on my quad and I actually ended up with a really big femur injury. And, um, so a lot of setbacks that I just felt like I couldn't catch a break all the time. And, I remember that first in like I had a nice indoor season in my fifth year where I kept seeing like little glimpses of that potential and I put together some really good races and like finally broke through that high school mile time and finally was running like that confident runner that I was in high school like it took me till my fifth year in college to feel like that carefree confident high school runner where just nothing phases you and you're just running and having so much fun and that was huge for me and um I'm really grateful that it came together and I just kept believing in myself and kept putting in the work and trusting that at some point, um, this is going to work out. And I've always dreamed about running professionally and I was so grateful to have that chance. And, um, now I'm in my second year as a professional runner and I've been injury free the last three years. And that's, what's been such a big um, difference in just my strength as a runner because I'm finally running consistently and I'm finally putting in the work that I hadn't been able to put in all those years before. So that's been huge to my development. And that's why everyone keeps everyone so shocked about these breakthrough times. And I've just been able to put in such good work. And then now I've had the chances to be in those races where it's a rare opportunity when everything kind of clicks in those races and it's not a tactical race. And that 5k was one where we just stepped on the line and we were clicking off those splits and I felt so good and so strong. And I definitely didn't, my goal was to run 15, 10 in that 5k race. And <laughs> 
it was, yeah, I was like, I would be just as happy with a 1509. Um, I just was going after that Olympic standard, but just that competitor in me um, really kicked off. And in that last um, 1200 meters, I was just like, I'm staying with this pack and I'm going to do whatever I can to finish second in this race because Hassan was doing her own thing up in the front. But, what was that? Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was uh, huge. Like I just been, yeah, it's been a crazy last few years and um, I'm really happy that it's clicking right now at the right time. Hey everybody, a quick break here to thank Whoop for supporting this episode of the podcast. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides 24-7 personalized insights around your sleep, recovery, and daily activity. Listen, friends, we put so much time into our training, our marathon running, our 5K training, whatever it is, we put time and energy into it, and Whoop can be a tool that will help you maximize your performance. Every day, it gives you a personalized recovery score based on things like resting heart rate, heart rate variability, sleep, and respiratory rate. So you can monitor and change things in your fitness. I personally love the sleep coach situation because there is nothing better than waking up in the morning and seeing that I got eight hours of sleep. And it also feels pretty good to know that sometimes I only need seven hours of sleep. And I'm also really excited when I see a hard workout come through and it tells me that my fitness gains are happening. So Whoop is offering everybody listening 15% off with the code ANOTHER at checkout. Go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com and enter the code ANOTHER at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and run faster. Get to the start line healthy with Whoop. Um, why did you transfer from UNC to Georgetown? Yeah, so I transferred after my sophomore year, and I just felt like I loved uh, UNC in the school, and that was my dream school in high school when I was like, if I could run in college, I'm going to UNC. However, I went on a road trip um, with my high school friend to her softball tournament back in high school, and we passed through Chapel Hill, and I became obsessed with it. And once I had the chance to go and run there after my breakout season in high school, there was no going back. I was like, I'm going to UNC no matter what. Um, and I think just learning how much, um, when you're a college runner, how much your life revolves around running. I, I knew that if I was going to do this and be able to reach my full potential, I just think, I just thought I needed a change in environment and I needed to be happier. And so I made the move to Georgetown, which I also looked at in, um, high school when I was recruited. So I felt really confident and comfortable making that shift. Um, but it was scary. And um, of course, right when I got there, actually coach Mike then transferred to NAU and then oh, Julie yeah. Cully became my coach. So it was um, a little hard during the transition because I, I went in thinking coach Mike was going to be my coach after a big transfer move. Uh -huh. And then it ended up um, being Julie Cully, which I was also so stoked about because we're both from New Jersey and um, she's done everything that I want to do in this sport. She made the Olympic team in 2012 in the 5k. So I think I was fangirling her for most of my time at Georgetown, <laughs> but um, it ended up being a great fit. And um, I still struggled even in that transition, um, just like I did from high school. So of course the transition was hard and I had some setbacks and with these fluke injuries that were happening, I couldn't, 
I couldn't not sprain my ankle every spring season. I think I just wasn't um, like my ankle bones weren't strong enough. And I um, had these little setbacks that were just nagging and lingering. And uh, it was really hard to just get back going again so much in college. Like you get in a good position, have a setback and then just try to get back. And it always took longer than you'd expect. And um, it was just really um, hard on the body and the mind. But um, um, yes, Julie always believed in me. And um, that was really big too. I remember just in some of the meetings, she's like, I, I know what goals you want. And I, I can tell that you're like, it's like, I can hear it in your voice. Like your voice is like cracking. And sometimes I think I was just so, I felt so far away from the goals that I wanted to do that I couldn't even say it to her. Cause I was like, I'm so far away from it. I can't even like tell you right now what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think she always saw that and like knew how emotional I would get because I thought I was running out of time to just even have the opportunity to even pursue a pro career. So um, I'm really grateful that it was her and that she kept believing in me and maybe gave me a little bit of tough love in that fifth year because um, we were on a time crunch. But she really was able to help me and get into that position of getting that pro contract in the postseason. So like when you when you're talking about those big goals you had and being kind of like even scared to say them because you were felt so far away, like what did Julie do or what did you do like self help wise to get yourself comfortable like speaking it and believing it? Yeah, that was um, that was a really hard part for me. I think we had to break through a lot of walls like I definitely had my guard up I had a big wall and I think just like having more meetings and even just being open with my teammates and having conversations with them about what I want to do in this sport really helped um my one roommate Madeline in my fifth year she's one of my best friends like we would talk a lot just about like what we want to do with our running and our goals and that really helped me just like be able to even just put it out on the table and um even when I started dating Robbie, who's now my fiance, um, he's a professional runner. And I remember I was coming back from that femur injury and he would like be texting me like, um, like even right before we were dating, when we were just talking and like, how's your run going? Like, and I'm like, why does he care about my four mile run at like eight minute pace? I'm like, I'm so embarrassed, like to even just like tell him about it. But it was really something I needed just to someone just to like, everyone was holding me accountable and everyone was like checking in on me and just like watching my progress and just like checking in, like, how's your run going? And I'm like, Oh, it's going great. And then suddenly I was like, I wanted to like brag about like how the runs were going. And I think it's always good when you want to talk about running because a lot of times, like I never wanted to talk that I was like going to race or like what up my training was. And that really took a shift that I was just more open about even just talking about my runs, my goals, um, how I'm feeling just like, it was almost like I just could like vent to people after just keeping it all like boggled in for so many years. And I think it became easier to talk about when the running was also going well. It just, um, when you kind of like, I, I broke through a couple barriers just in my races and that definitely helped. But, um, yeah, I remember a lot of times I would just write in my log, mostly what I like post race of like my thoughts and, and everything. And, um, I remember the coaches would read the log um, because they had access to our training log. And sometimes I just use that as my diary. And I'm like, I'm just going to let them hear my thoughts because I I can't tell them in these meetings for some reason. I can't get it off my chest or I'm going to start crying. So I was like, I'm just going to tell them in my log. And yeah, I just got a lot more comfortable just um, talking and being vulnerable. And um, I think I definitely had a guard up just from 
what um, like I did in high school and then all those expectations and just kind of like shoving it away for a little bit because I felt so far away from it. So yeah, really venting and talking to people definitely helped me um, feel like I could break through that. Okay. So before we go into these races you've done this spring and how amazing they have been, why did you go with Reebok? Yes. So I, um, I wasn't very heavily recruited outside of college, just not being an NCAA champion, but I definitely did turn some eyes and I, um, with just competing in my first NCAAs and finishing fourth in the 5k and then my summer racing, I was able to lower both my 15 and 5k PRs to some decent times. And, um, Ray Flynn, I signed with Ray Flynn. He definitely helped me a lot to, um, secure a contract and, I took a visit to a couple groups and things really clicked when I talked to coach Fox and knowing his history and his experience and what Reebok was going for and being a new company and um, getting back into like the running world. It was really cool to be a part of something new and be part of the women's team that was just being developed. And um, Paige Stoner had just signed who um, I was following along in college and we had Tori and Amy on the team at the time. So I really had a lot of fun on my visit, even just running with the boys too. Like I just felt like it was a really um, great transition for me out of college because it also reminded me of a college team and that college atmosphere of having a guys and girls team together. And we're all pretty young, I would say, um, in one one of the younger pro groups um, out there. And that really felt fitting to me. And a lot of us are, I would say, like, a bit of underdogs where we're not all the NCAA champions, mm-hmm. but we all have put up some really great times and races. And I just feel like a lot of us are, we're a lot of us this season are really um, taking it to the next level, which is really cool to see, but I really feel like there's so much potential for this team. And I was really excited to be part of it and really happy that Reebok saw the potential in me as well to sign a pro contract. So um, I took a couple of visits to a couple groups, but Reebok was um, definitely my favorite and um, they offered me a great contract in the situation. So I was happy to sign with them and i um, really happy that it's working so well in the second year right now. Yeah. Reebok's like, okay, we, we did good. We did good with Josette. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're really happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're getting that recognition for sure. Um, okay. So let's talk about the spring. Because you you do your first year and like you, we had talked about, it was a lot of adjusting and like, just like you adjust from high school to college, you're adjusting from college to professional training. So it's kind of like finding your footing. And then you had great training this past fall and everything's kind of really coming together right at what it seems like the very right time. Talk about breaking the tape at the Drake Relays. Oh, that was incredible. I, I've actually never broken the tape, even in high school, none of my state races, um, if you ever would break the tape or any of the invitational. So breaking that tape at Drake, um, and, and getting my first professional win in a 1500 against a really competitive field. That was amazing. I was, um, so ecstatic and it was really just rewarding to, see it like, wow, I, I belong. I, I feel like I'm really, um, putting my foot in the door as a professional and really showing people, um, what I'm made out of. And it was really just rewarding and a really fun experience to do that at Drake relays. I was really excited to run a 1500. I love 
racing the 1500 and I had run a couple before and um, they were pretty tactical. And so I felt pretty prepared for this race if I could be in it and close well. And um, that was, that was just so much fun. Like I just had so much fun doing that and um, really then set the stage for the next few races ahead after that. Um, the athletic director or the director of the Drake relays, Blake Bolden, he used to be the executive director for the monumental marathon in my hometown. And he is just a great guy. So it's been really fun to be able to see him take on that role. And now that we got to have races again this year, really exciting to see that. What was, what was the entire like race and weekend? I mean, Drake is such a well-known and historic event. What was that like for you? It was awesome. I actually had never been to Drake Relays before. So being like an East Coast kid, we always knew about the pen relays. And I did the pen relays in high school and college. And so it was really cool to experience the Drake Relays for the first time. And that was right when they started to allow fans. So there was fans at the stadium. So um, it was limited number of fans. But it was um, it felt like a packed stadium race. And I hadn't raced in a stadium in a while. It's just been a lot of little local high school tracks here and there. Uh-huh. Um, just whatever we could get on with COVID. So it felt it felt really, um, really great just being on that line in a stadium and that atmosphere. And um, my family and friends got to watch it on TV. And they really put the get the race so nicely and I'm excited to go back to Drake relays um again but I can't complain I had a great first experience first experience at Drake relays that's awesome <laughs> um okay so you know you start out pro and you're you there's all these these women who have been racing pro for a while right that you are now in races with and I would assume last year you're at the starting line of these races And you might not think, okay, I'm in it with these ladies, like, you know, but now just one year later, one year into your pro career, I know you're year two, you are on the line with Emily Sisson, Ellie Purrier, uh, Rachel Schneider, and you are a true, true contender. You're not just a contender. You've proven it. You've won the races. (laughs) So, and you've broken 15 minutes in the 5k, which is just massive. So what does your mindset do now? Like you have to kind of shift. You're a different competitor now. So how are you managing those expectations? Definitely. And in a way I I've looked up to those women and it's, um, I'm like a fan of watching them and watching them race. I've watched all their races and I've hoped to be able to get to their level when I was in college and in my first year pro, I was always watching them. And now it's definitely been a shift. Like now, now I'm trying to beat them in races. Um, there's definitely a bit of a comp- competitor in me now, but just being in those races with them and now seeing that I do belong in those races and I can take the lead and I can close and, finish and be one of the top us women um that's given me a lot of confidence to see that i've i've done it now and almost just even in that the 5k that i did in february when i got my trials time i um i took the lead with 1200 to go and i think a lot of people were just slowing down and letting it be a tactical race and i ended up i put myself in it and i took the lead against a field that included ellie and emma and rachel and um I just didn't look back and that um, I ended up getting out kicked in the end. But that race was really big for me mentally to know that um, I can do it if I want to. And I, I remember being a little hesitant in the race, like 
should I go around Ellie right now? And I'm like, yes, because if I don't, I'm not going to get to go to the Olympic trials. And in my head, that was my mindset. So that was a big just barrier of like knowing like, hey, I, I belong in these races. Like I'm competing well. And um, then the races after that just kept building and building. And now I just have a lot to look back on that gives me a lot of confidence that now when I step on the line, like I can be there with them. And even in that 5k at um, sound running, when I ran the 1451, I remember with 1200 to go, I took, I fell off um, Rachel, like two steps. And I just know, knew my head, like I need to get right back on mm. her because if I don't get right back on her, I'm going to let myself like out of this race. And I took those two steps and I was right back in it. And then when she made her move around Emily Sisson, I just followed and I matched it. And um, it's been really cool just to see that I'm able to do that now at this level in these races with um, such competitors and amazing women. And it's really cool to now feel like I belong in that scene. And um, I really do feel like there's a lot more running left in me. And I'm excited to see what I can do even at these bigger stages in these next few months. All right, everybody, one more quick break here to thank Prevenex for supporting this episode of the podcast. Prevenex is where I get all of my vitamins and supplements, and you all have to try out their Joint Health Plus. If you are a runner who wants longevity in this sport, the Joint Health Plus delivers ingredients that are clinically proven to offer the most comprehensive and complete joint protection and relief available on the market. I take the Joint Health Plus every day and my body is feeling great. I should collect these, but I'm not good at being organized. I cannot tell you how many people have direct messaged me on Instagram and said, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you told me about the Joint Health Plus because I'm using it and it actually works. Okay, maybe I will compile a list. But anyway, I'm telling you, I get these messages all the time. They also have kids' vitamins that my kids take. I feel really good about that because sometimes it's mac and cheese all day, every day at my house, and I know they're getting nutrients that their body needs from the Supervites. They also have a great give back program where Prevenex donates a bottle of Supervites to every bottle purchased to malnourished kids around the world. I love their give back model. And then lastly, you got to check out their protein powder. It's the best. Literally, we had no groceries yesterday because we just got back from a trip and I had frozen fruit in my fridge and I had frozen spinach in my fridge, in my freezer, not my fridge. And I just put the protein powder and the frozen spinach and fruit and water in a smoothie and my kids had a delicious, healthy, nutrient-dense snack. I still need to go to the grocery store though. Uh, you all can save... 15% when you go to Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. That's Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Josette Norris. Um, I just watched the race back before the interview to get hyped. And <laughs> uh, when when was it that, Rachel, that you were like feeling, you went back two steps and you were like, no, get up there. What part of the race was that? So that was um, with 1,200 to go. So Emma Coburn had stepped off uh -huh. pacing. And I remember even in my head, I'm like, I hope we keep clicking off these 71s. Like, this is great. Like, I'm going to get my 
time. And then in my head, like a gear changed. I'm like, wait, I'm racing these girls. Like this is who I'm going to be competing against at the Olympic trials. So even in the race, I had this moment of like that competitor turned on in me. And yeah, I even with, yeah, 1200 to go. I remember Robbie shout out like, trust yourself. And I heard him say that. And I was like, yeah, like I can do this. Like, I just like, I was like, I'm in this race. I'm just as good as these girls I can do this and um I just kept holding on and then the last lap you don't get to see it on the video but um with 300 to go Rachel made her move and okay. I I went I went right with her and followed that move and then in the last 100 I was able to switch gears and um close and I have a have a great last lap and and run the time. <laughs> yeah, that's always so hard because like the video's watching the winner obviously, but like the chase is with you guys. So it's like, oh, what's going on over there? So yeah, I couldn't see exactly when she made her move. Um that is so exciting. And I also noticed throughout the race you were with that front pack, but like for a while there you were probably like what, like 6th, 7th kind of like mixed in there and then you saw a couple times you made some like surges to get up there. So that that was all like strategy, like, okay, I'm going to make a move and, and get up with the group. Yeah. So I, for some reason I find myself in the back of five K's, um, I, at <laughs> NCA's, I, I think I was in last place for the first half of the NCA race. And, um, I think I just try to stay as calm as possible. Uh-huh. And then I end up somehow in everyone's making moves, um, pretty early on. And I end up somehow all the way in the back of the race. And I have these moments where it's like, Oh no, like make sure that you are making the correct move to get right back into the pack. So I had to make two really big surges in that 5k that one of them, I was pretty nervous that I had to make such a big move to get back to the pack. But, um, luckily I still, I still, I was strong and felt good. Um, but I definitely had to make these moves to make sure that I then didn't miss the real moves that were being made in the race. And that's my, I just keep my eyes up the whole time to make sure that I'm putting myself in the right position at the right time to re-engage with the group. And, um, it felt a lot smoother once the pack had, um, kind of just lined up a little bit more and I put myself in that fifth position, um, and then could just really just focus on clicking off those laps. But the beginning of the races is definitely a bit of jostling and just trying to find your positioning and while also trying to stay as calm as possible because it's a long race and you don't want to be wasting any energy early on in a 5k. How cool is it to be able to be so in control of your body physically to say, now I'm going to do this. Now this is going to happen. And I know there are times when you're in race and you just run out of gas and you physically can't, but like you literally could just tell yourself it's time to go. It's time to search. It's time to move around. Rachel's going, I'm going with her. And that is so, so much credit to your training and what coach Fox has done with your training for you to be able to do that. But also there's a lot of mental training that has gone into that as well. What do you think you've done to sharpen that side of your fitness? Yeah, it's, it's really amazing when the mind and body are in sync and they definitely have felt in sync, even in workouts and these races. And, um, I feel like I've been able to change a gear in that competitor side of me this season from being in those races. And, um, I think a lot of the, even just the tactical races that I've been in that maybe have been a little bit more low key this season, um, have really helped prepare me for, anything to expect in the race, whether it's going to be a fast race or a tactical race. So, um, I definitely felt 
just feeling prepared and knowing that my body can make these moves. And I definitely tell myself in races, like I'm talking to myself the whole time, just like telling myself, like commit to this, like mm -hmm. commit to the move and commit to the paces you're going. And I remember passing through 3K and we went through 3K in that 5K in 9.01. And the indoor season before I had run 8.58, which was a huge PR for me um, in my first year as a professional. And now I'm going through 3K at roughly the same pace and I still have 2K to go. And in that moment, um, I wasn't scared. Like I, I was really happy. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm at nine minutes at 3K and I feel great. Like it was just um, really reassuring to see, to be feeling that way in a 5K race and just uh, credit to Coach Fox. Like he's prepared me so well physically. And now that just helps me mentally um, be able to compete and be there. And I think just even in practices, um, I used to get really like high off like these really good workouts that I've been having. And now I've probably stacked together better workouts than I ever have in my entire life. And I'm just finishing the workout and it's just like another workout mm. and it doesn't, I'm not getting this emotional high mm. or this wasting any emotional energy that maybe that I needed to feel that way in college or like my first year pro, like I nailed it. And like, take all that energy and like soak it all up. And now it's just like, that's like the expectation. And it's just like another day at practice. And that's been, I think a shift in even in him seeing me practice. It's like, does that just like steps on the line, does the work and then goes home. And um, that's been, I've just been able to put in a lot of great training and just feel really content with what I'm doing. And then when I step on the line at for races, I just feel really prepared at this point. Yeah. As I'm hearing you say all that, it makes me feel like you are feeling really calm, you know, instead of writing those like emotions up and down, up and down, you get done, you mm -hmm. go home, you eat, you do what you need to do in your life. And you're not so like emotionally like stuck to those workouts. That's got to feel mm -hmm. so freeing. It definitely is because I was stuck to those workouts when I, I needed something to cling on yeah. to in college and in that first year pro to even know where I stack up. Um, and now, yeah, I do, I do feel like a really big sense of calmness and that's a really nice feeling to have. And, um, it's a different feeling than I've had. I almost, yeah, it just reminds me of being like that high school runner where I just felt mm. really calm and, um, it's okay that there's this pressure now, like people expected me to run well in high school and I like a little bit of pressure. Like I like when people are like, um, saying like, oh yeah, just that's a contender. Like it feels good. Like I, I'll be honest, and it it reminds me that like, hey, people are people are watching, and it's um you're ready, and people believe in you, and it's really cool to be in this position right now. I love that. Commit to this, and then what Robbie told you: trust yourself. I think everybody listening, you got a new mantra, guys. <laughs> you got new. <laughs> we have defined yourself from Dina Castor way back in the day. Now I think these two are two new favorites for me. Commit to this and trust yourself. It sounds like Robbie, and for those listening, that's um, that's Josette's fiance. He's a 2016 Olympian. It sounds like he has been a huge mentor in your running and has helped you with that mental side of things. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I would call him. Like He's been a huge mentor for me, and he's been doing this for a long time, and I feel really lucky that I, one, he's my partner and two, I get to learn so much from him. Um, it's a really unique situation and he believes in me so much and has helped me really hone in on that 
like emotional side of running and that mental side and what it means to be a competitor. And I've seen just huge gains in just following his advice and just also navigating the pro world. Um, he actually really encouraged me even this past fall, me and him took a trip to altitude and I had never been to Flagstaff and he's gone a lot. Um, and his experience in coach box, um, allowed me to go. And it was over our winter break when we kind of all go home for winter break. And I went with Robbie out to um, Flagstaff, Arizona. And Robbie told me afterwards, he's like, I really just wanted you to open your eyes to see even just the other professional runners out there and just be um, just learn what it's like to be out there at altitude and what other professional runners are doing and just learn from the older girls that you're going to go on runs with. And um, that was even just a really big thing for me. Just like he just, it wasn't just like the physical benefits of altitude training. He wanted me to go to altitude just for me to see these other women and be like, yeah, I, I can do this too. And that was huge for me. And, um, another thing about that, um, the commit line is I have a story about that in college before the NCAA championships, Julie, actually, we were talking and just like walking through the race the night before. And she asked me, she's like, what's going to be your word, like in the race? And I was like, what do you mean? Like my word? She's like, I always have a word that I'm going to tell myself in a race, like, um, when things are getting tough, or you really want to do something like what's your word? And I'm, I like had to sit there and think. And I just said, commit. Mm. She's like, I love it. And that's been my word ever since that race. Like when, if I'm going to commit to then making that move, I better commit to making that move. And if I'm going to go and I'm dropping a lap and I'm cutting down the pace, like commit to making that move and just to committing to the pack. And that's been my little word that I've been telling myself the past three years. Um, even in workouts, sometimes I've needed to tell myself that word, but, um, yeah, so that's a little story of that background of how commit came to be. And even just Robbie yelling out, trust yourself mm. in that race. Um, that was such a big reminder that like he knows what I've been doing these past these past few years and the work I've put it in and he knows I'm capable of it. And that was just like a little reminder, like, hey, yeah, trust yourself. Like you're ready. You can do this. And um he's been my number one fan and I'm his number one fan and we really support each other really well. And um it's really fun to be doing this with him and be a professional. I feel like when I first signed, all I ever wanted to do is be as good as Robbie. So um, it's really cool to now be at that next level and um, see just these huge gains that I've been able to make in um, just a short amount of time. Uh, who did you run with in Flagstaff? I um I was doing a lot of runs with the Under Armour crew. Okay. So I even I did um some mile repeats with Rachel mm -hmm. and Sharon and Emily and um that was so much fun. I was like, hey guys, I'm having so much fun doing a workout with you. <laughs> That's awesome. I did a long run with um Molly Seidel. The New Balance girls came out and they lived around the corner, so I went on some easy runs with them. The Bowerman crew was there, so I went on a run with Shelby and Carissa and Courtney and. It's funny, I had never met all these other runners because I turned pro and then COVID yeah. um, happened. So I hadn't opened my eyes to even just the chance to meet all these other runners because I was so honed in on what I was doing here in Charlottesville. And it was just really just eye-opening and having that experience to learn from these other runners and also know like, hey, I'm I'm doing the workout with them like, and we're at altitude and 
I'm able to run with them. And um, yeah, I, I met a lot of people in that month time in um, Flagstaff, which was really fun for me. So that was huge. <laughs> I, I just love it so much. This is why I love running so much. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know of any other sport where like you're all towing the line to like beat each other, but then everybody, everybody kind of has their own teams and groups or whatever, but like you still get together and go run with each other and like learn from each other. And I just think it's so freaking cool. Oh yeah. It was so amazing. And it was really nice of the, um, Stephen Haas, who's the Under Armour coach and Shayla Houlihan to let us be at practice. Mm -hmm. I was really grateful that they allowed us, they took us into the team and we got to go on all the runs with them and practice with them. So the running community is really unique in that sense that everyone is really supportive of each other and everyone's cheering each other on when we're all doing workouts, whether it's in reps or out of um, watching each other do workouts on the track. So it was a really fun experience and just the running community is so unique and it's so much fun that, yeah, we can work out together and then be competitors on the line. But um, it's really cool that so many runners live up there and it was um, really cool to go out there and experience that for the first time. Yeah. And like different brands, like, you know what I mean? You're oh, like yeah. repping different <laughs> brands. And I mean, I think it's, the, it's so special too. Cause like you're all out there working your butts off and like, you know, you know that like, you know, Rachel or whoever it is you're running with, like it's, it's hurting too. So it's just seeing each other put that work in the bank. Like, of course you're going to support each other, but I just think of other sports and like teams and you, not that people like people on different teams don't like each other, but I just feel like there's more of a different kind of rivalry where it's like, a camaraderie with it's distance running, especially. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because I interview a lot of distance runners, but I, <laughs> I do feel like I see that so clearly. Um, okay. The other question about Robbie, cause we were talking about him going out to Flagstaff is when did you all meet? So we met back in 2016 actually, Okay, but we didn't start, um, Like we were, I met him then, but we didn't start dating until 2018. Okay. Yep. 2018. So it's going to be our 1921. Yeah. It's uh, we just had our three year anniversary, um, in April. So yeah, we started dating in 2018, but I met him, um, back in 2016, which is actually a really funny story. Um, so team USA in 2016 went to go meet the president and, um, Georgetown, actually had hosted Team USA for like a pre-night event before they went to go meet President Obama. So we had um, all the Olympians on campus in um, the Healy Center for like a huge celebration party for Team USA, which was so cool because we all, me and my team, it's like, we get to see all the Olympians. and um, Worth the transfer just for that. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, and that was um, actually, yeah, the year that I had just transferred there. So like two months in, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Everyone's coming down to meet the president. But um, so I got to meet a bunch of the um, distance runners and like Emily Infeld came to speak to our team Uh because she ran at Georgetown. So it was really just a cool weekend out um, being at Georgetown. And then I met Robbie. And um, I was like, I'm from New Jersey, too. Like, I'm just being a little fangirl at the time. (laughs) Um, But um, so, yeah, we just knew of each other and we're friends because we had a bunch of mutual friends because a lot of people on my team knew him um, just because the older people on my team knew him. And, um, yeah, we we were friendly here and there. And then our paths never crossed again um, for a couple of years. And then we started talking and, yes, our dating in 2018. And um, and now we're 
engaged. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been really um, amazing. And we're really having fun right now. Were you thinking about it, though, in between 2016 and 2018? Like, did you kind of have your eye on him? <laughs> I um, I definitely thought he was really cute. Um, <laughs> did I think that we would be dating two years later? No, I um, in that moment. No, but I, I definitely was a little bit of a fangirl just also because I was like, he's from New Jersey and I'm from New Jersey. Uh-huh. Um, I think I was obsessed with that fact. <laughs> yeah, you love New Jersey. And, um, yeah, I'm a big Jersey fan. So yeah, in that moment, no, but um, it's really funny to look back on and to know like, that we met back then. And actually, um, we got engaged in Georgetown because that was where we did meet. And, um, that's like where we had our first run together, where we had our first kiss, like where we first went to the bar together. So it's really cool that it kind of all started at Georgetown. And we always joke around, like, if I never transferred to Georgetown, would we still be, um, yeah, would we be together? And I was like, Oh my God, it's, it was meant to be. (laughs) It was meant to be. That's so good. Um, if you really go back, you can thank coach Mike for that, because if you were transferring to Georgetown for him, even though he didn't get to coach you, he's got a heavy hand in this relationship. Yeah. Uh, shout out to coach Mike. For <laughs> <it all> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Okay. Um, so let's, let's, before we do end a podcast, let's kind of close out with talking through these races, this, um, this spring winter, you know, that 1519 OTQ in February, down to 1451, which I know I've heard you talk about it and you're like, yes, it seems like massive, but you think you kind of like knew you had that in your wheelhouse. I'm thinking as I'm hearing you talk, you know, you were talking about those big goals you had and like saying those out loud was breaking 15 in the 5k. One of those big goals. I actually wasn't thinking that in my head, I was so um, focused on like, getting that Olympic Mm -hmm. time. So then if I had the chance to be top three, I would get to go to the Olympics. And it's funny, Coach Fox loves to throw out what times he thinks you'll run just um, in the middle of a workout. He's like, you're in this shape, you're in that shape. And um, he had thrown out uh, 1450 and I laughed it off. And then I ended up running 1451 in that race. But he has thrown out so many times to me where I I don't really like think too much about Mm -hmm. it. But then in my workouts, I was putting together workouts that indicated that I was in sub 15 shape. Mm. And I thought at that race in February, I was, I could have run that 1510 at the time and training had only gone better since that race. So I believed that if I was in 1510 back in February, 1510 shape, like I definitely knew I was in better shape. I just, um, didn't expect the race to just be that fast in general but I did think after one I did have one pretty big workout and I remember like texting my friends like sub 15 coming soon like jokingly on like a snapchat and um because I was just like I felt really good after that workout I was like yeah this like that's an indicator workout um and yeah it was really cool to just really break that sub 15 um so much and that everything came together have a race where it was perfect conditions, perfect pacing, perfect weather, and um, it all came together. And I was able to walk away with a big PR and got my Olympic time. And it just given me more confidence now that if the trials is a tactical race or a fast race, um, I could be there. So that that's been a big confidence booster. Yeah, that's huge because there are some people that don't have that fast kick at the end. So you have like a little bit of both here. You have the speed and the tactics. I love it. 
Um, most recently, you did this 1500 to sharpen your speed yeah. and whatnot. So you're 406, you're feeling good about that. Now you're chilling. Yep. That was my last race. And I really wanted to do another race between that big 5k, yeah. even just to break it up mentally. Mm-hmm. I was like, I need to step on the line again. So my next race is not the Olympic trials. And, um, this 1500 had been on the schedule and all of us on the East coast were um, planning to have like a really great meet put together. And it was a great meet. The weather conditions were not ideal. Um, it ended up being like 48 and rainy. Oh, I saw and, that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, a uh, it was a pretty chilly night, but, um, to win in 406 with a big close that gave me like a lot of confidence. Like, yeah, I'm there. I'm ready. Like a couple key more workouts and some rest and, um, I'll be ready to go for the trials. That gives you confidence for like that last K of your 5K, right? Definitely. Um, I, I wanted to run a lot of 1500s this season um, because it just helps with that like sharpening speed uh-huh. and closing speed and even working on tactics because you can never predict what's going to happen in a 1500. And um, even at Drake, um, someone fell in the first 100 meters and I hurdled them and I hadn't been in a race where there's so much jostling for mm. positioning. And uh, yeah, anytime I step on the line in a 1500, it's a little more nerve wracking oh, than a 5k bet. because there's just not as much time in the race, but um, they've been huge for just working on my closing speed and um, trying different tactics. I, I ran like an opener race at UVA where I um, went from 500 meters out and then the Drake relays was a hundred meters. So I feel like I've been able to like practice different strategies in those races, um, which is definitely going to help me for a 5k. And we didn't even mention that put you at the ninth, the, fi- the fourteen fifty one put you at the ninth fastest all time American. That's wild. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, some people came up to me after the race to tell me that. And I, I was just in shock. I didn't realize how rare it was for sub 15 races, yeah. um, especially in the U S. So it's really cool to be on that list with the other runners. And I'm really honored to be on that list. That's awesome. Um, okay. So promise that you're not going to change when you go win your Olympic medals. <laughs> you're so fun and approachable and you know, a lot of athletes are, but like, I really feel that about you. So, um, don't change. <laughs> oh, thank you. I won't <laughs> stick to my roots. <laughs> stick to your New Jersey roots. Yeah. Um, okay. What is something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you have not done yet? So professionally, I definitely want to represent the United States at the Olympics. That's been a dream of mine and a goal of mine for a really long time. And um, personally, I'd love to travel the world. I actually, I have an empty passport. I have never left the country. Wow. Um, That's going to change real fast. (laughs) I'm hoping running opens some doors for traveling but also being able to travel with not the thought of any runs. Um, I would like both of those situations. Um, So those are two really big things that I would like to do. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing about professional running is even though some, some of these travels you're going to do the running, but like it, like it opens the doors to so many places that you probably wouldn't just choose to go to. So Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring that you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? So I'm I'm a huge Halsey fan. So of the singer Halsey. 
So I definitely would want to have some cocktails, multiple cocktails with Halsey. And um, I'd probably make her like sing me an acoustic song. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm a huge um, Halsey fan. Like I love listening to her music. I love going to her concerts. So I would love to sit down and just talk to her um, over some drinks. (laughs) I listened to Halsey. You know, I told you I watched your race and then I listened to Halsey to get in the zone for this interview because I knew you were a fan. Yeah, I put on Halsey on Spotify and I listened to Nightmare because I heard you say that you you used to listen to that to like pump up for a race. Yeah. So I'm at my parents' house in Florida and like my mom and my husband took all my kids out to a splash pad and I just put Halsey on Spotify really loud. There's nobody else here. And that's that was my that was my interview prep. I love that so much. That makes me so happy. And everyone, everyone now when they hear Halsey, because I think I talk about her so much and I'm always singing her, they're always like, whenever she comes on, I think of you. And I'm like, wow, I must talk about her a lot <laughs> about me when a Halsey song comes on. But uh, yeah, she gets me in the zone. So that's, that's so cool that you're listening to her before this. I think that a lot of people are going to now add Nightmare to their running playlist. Just don't do it on your pre-run shakeout because you don't want to be sprinting that pre-run shakeout. And I did that before regionals because I was just, she was getting me so amped and I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't listen to her on my shakeout morning run at 8 a.m. Put a little, put, put some like Avet brothers on for the shakeout run and then, and then move to Halsey. Perfect. <laughs> oh, that's good. Hey, we'll add, we'll make a playlist because I'm, I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with making playlists. So I'll have to make a new running playlist and that'll be, you'll have to tell me your top three favorite Halsey songs to go on that playlist. Okay. Yeah, I'll text you them. It'll be perfect. Homework. Okay. <laughs> Homework. Uh, what's the best, most recent book you read? Are you, are you a reader? I'm I'm trying to get more into reading, but actually Robbie recommended um, me to read The Alchemist, which is one of his favorite books. And I read that most recently. And I thought that was so fitting, even just this year about just the journey of like believing in yourself and having those setbacks and also like taking advantage of like your surroundings and like who's around you to help you. So that was like a really fitting book that I just most recently read for that moment and the moment that I'm in right now. So yeah, I'd recommend everyone to read The Alchemist. Um, Robbie recommended that for me and I loved it. I read that book so long ago. I feel like I need to revisit it because I probably read it when I was your age and I'm 37 (laughs) now. So like, I feel like I would read it differently now, right? You know? Oh, yeah. Um, Robbie says he reads it every year and he learns something new from it every year. So um, I might have to do that as well. But <laughs> okay, I have homework now. Three Halsey yeah, now, songs now and I got to I got to read The Alchemist again. Uh, okay, what is your last message you'd want to leave with our audience today? Ooh, my last message. My last message would definitely be to keep believing in yourself and your potential. I saw this quote a bit ago that was like, be obsessed with your own potential. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that message of like, really honing in on believing in yourself and what you're capable of. Because I think that's what kept me motivated, even when I was struggling in colleges and having setbacks, I never stopped believing of what I could be capable of. Um, And I just needed that opportunity to really like get my feet under me and get going. But I've always believed in my own potential and what I could do. And I think that's always been a driving force 
behind any setback that I've faced and anytime I'm stepping on that line. Um, so that would definitely be my message. Um, going to throw a wrench in this and ask you one more question. I never do this. Okay. <laughs> I just think that's such a profound and like mature, uh, mindset for someone in college, like when you're 20, <laughs> 19, 20 years old, walking through that, like coming off the heels of that, like massive success in high school and then thinking, ah, what happened? But still believing in yourself. And so as a parent myself, now I'm like, I want to learn from all the parents. And I'm like, what did your parents do to raise a child who believes in themselves like that? Like, is there anything you remember from childhood that you're like, ah, Thank you, mom and dad. I know that's a big question. It's so funny because m- my parents weren't like too involved in my running. Um, they just, they would support me in any sport that I was doing, but I also played every single sport that I could. And I was obsessed with trying to be better, like in anything, whether that was soccer, basketball, running, softball. I um, I always wanted to see what I was capable of. And I think that was just like engraved in me since elementary school. Um, I think I've always had that desire of wanting to see how far I could go in things. And I definitely just had this support surrounding Mm. me to just keep pursuing what I wanted to pursue. But I had a lot of freedom. And I think um, I spent, I did spend a lot of my childhood just in the back of my elementary school at like after school, just playing in the playing in the park. And I think I um, had a lot of fun just like being competitive with the boys um, from a young age and just testing myself and my limits. And um, I've had a lot of good people in my corner and in my journey and just a lot of people who also still always believed in my potential, even when I was struggling. I've always had that like tight knit group of people and like I've had messages now from even when I was on my church team running, like I've had emails from my old coaches, from my old teachers and like everyone. It's been uh, like an emotional last month of like getting a lot of messages mm. of people just like, hey, we're still following you. Like we're we're following you. We're cheering you on. And that like makes me really prideful. Like I, I have a lot of pride when I step on that start line of like all the people who mm. has who have always believed in me. And I always like, want to run well for all the people that have put so much time and effort into me because I'm so grateful for that. So I think um, I really take a lot of pride in that as an athlete and a person. And um, I really try to channel that in for my races. I love that. Okay. The one, the one message I I really took from that is sounds like your parents really great gave you like the freedom to like play and do what you love, right? Yes. I, uh, yes, I definitely had a lot of freedom to (laughs) freedom to play instead of like, you're going to this practice, you're doing, you know, like, what do you want to try? What do you want to try? What makes you happy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had, um, I definitely had full control in, um, what I wanted to do. And, um, I think it was easy for them because I always wanted to do a lot of things. So that gave me, yeah, a lot of freedom to explore and do what I want and, um, really hone in on, what I was good at too. Oh, so good. All right, Josette. Well, I cannot wait. Add me to your list of people that you like want to like that you're at the starting line. Like I want to be one of those people. Like I am cheering for you hard and everybody listening to this podcast is too. Um, everybody who reads the fast women newsletter, like you have so many people in your corner now. So, um, we're just all cheering for you and cannot wait to see what you do. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Lindsay. 
Okay, friends, thank you so much for being here today. I had so much fun talking to Josette. She has so much ahead of her and just was a super fun, shall I say, easy interview. You know, it's like some people are just so easy to talk to, and she's definitely one of those people. Really excited for her career. You guys can find Josette on Instagram. She's Josette Norris over there. You can find me on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626. And then you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine as well as Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. Hey, I appreciate you being here today. Big thanks to our sponsors, Whoop, Prevenex, and Picky Bars. All the codes for those if you're looking for a sweet discount and want to support this podcast can be found at lindsayhine.com in the show notes. I will also link to those on my Instagram as well. So make sure you're following me over there at lindsayhine626. I hope you're having a great day. I'm so excited about the Olympic trials. Let's all enjoy that together. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.